0: This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime at our Plantsville, Connecticut location. Saturdays, six PM, or Sundays, nine and eleven AM, or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com.
1: And talk a little bit about the topic called devotion in action. And you know, this is something that we think about a whole lot around here. This has been up here for years. It says making fully devoted followers of Christ. That's what the study of God's word does for us. And we're talking about devotion in action. And our holy, our awe, honor, and reverence of God finds expression in devoted activity. You know, we're not talking about just singing or praying and things like that. But in the devotion in action, uh, we can be talking about like a Rosa who was not here this weekend. God bless her and her family. But, you know, she does cooking. And I would call that devotion in action. Mm-hmm. You know, that's her devotion is genuinely to bless all of us here and provide an avenue for us to get to know each other a little bit better. And cleaning can be devotion in action, splitting firewood or mowing the, gra- the grass—that can be devotion in action if you think about it. Uh, listen to what it says here in Colossians chapter three, verse seventeen. And whatever
0: you do or say.
1: Whatever. This is—I reckon that's about a hundred percent of things that you could choose to do. Yeah. It says, "And whatever you do or say."
0: Do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father.
1: So whatever you're doing, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. Verse 23 says, Work willingly. And in the King James, where it says willingly here, it says heartily. So work willingly and heartily at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord. Rather than for people. So, whatever you're doing, you're working for your boss, and you look at it, stand right behind your boss is Jesus. Do your work as you're you're doing it for the Lord. That's what it says here. Work willingly, you know, heartily at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. So, that will really help us and enhance what we're doing. When we recognize that what I'm doing, I'm doing this for the Lord. The Lord's provided the opportunity here to do so, you know. Um, there's an old little saying that we came across with our kids. It's a little poem or something. It was in this little thing that they had. But it would say, why, why do, do, I do I do the things I do, do and who do, do I do them for? Why do I do the things I do and, and who do I do them for? Uh, as as we think about that, and we think about what the Bible says, do whatever you do, do as unto the Lord, it changes things. It genuinely does versus doing something just to do it and, and all. And uh, at Home uh, Depot, they had this little phrase, they say, how doers get more done. You know, and I believe the way we get more done is whatever we're doing, we recognize we're not just doing it for a person. But we're doing it for the Lord and as unto him. He says here in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 22. But
0: don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says.
1: So just hearing God's word is not enough. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. And he puts it, must. You must do what it says. Otherwise... You're only fooling yourselves, another translation says, deceiving yourselves, you know so just being here is not enough. We've got to do what we hear that comes from Almighty God's word and then here in 1 John chapter three, verse eighteen, it says,
0: "My dear children, let's not just talk about love.
1: talk is not enough, is it?" Let's not just talk about loving. The very first commandment we have is to love the Lord with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. Does anybody know what the second commandment is?
0: Love your neighbor as
1: yourself. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So he's telling us here, children, let's not just talk about loving God and let's not just talk about loving our neighbors, ourselves. You know, he says, let's practice real love, uh, let, let's do it. Let's practice real love and and genuinely love God and and love our neighbor, you know. This is the only way we'll know we're living truly, living in God's reality, you know. And there's no higher compliment can be paid to a believer than to call him or her a godly person, a a, a godlike person. And so when you call someone, oh, that's a godly man, that's a godly young lady, you know, that's one of the highest compliments that you can give them. They're, they're like God. And, you know, godly means godlike, the same as Christian means Christ like. That's, that's what it means. You know, and, and you might be a conscientious parent, uh, you might be a zealous church worker, a dynamic spokesman for Christ a talented Christian leader. But none of these things really matter if the, at the same time you're not a godly person. Being a godly person, godliness and, and godlike is a premium. It's really, really important. And you know we've all sinned, haven't we? Yes. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. And then he tells us in First John 1, 9... And here is in the Amplified a classic, it says
0: If we freely admit that we have sinned.
1: Now did you say that word there? Freely. Have you ever freely admitted that you had sinned, you did something wrong? Yes. Or did you have to have somebody twisting your arm behind your back? And go, okay, I did it. Hey, I'm I'm guilty. I was Ouch oh, it was it was me. Is that what enables you to Confess your sins. But he says, if we freely, or we do it of our own accord, if we freely admit that we have sinned and we we freely confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just. True to his own nature and promises and and will forgive our sins. God's going to forgive our sins. He's going to dismiss our lawlessness and continuously cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, did you use that word continuously. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that you just keep on sinning. Sin? Well, God's going to continuously. So I can just do it every five minutes. I can keep sinning and sinning, knowing He's just going to forgive me and forgive me. That's not what it's talking about there. He will forgive you. And, and He's forgiving the people behind you and in front of you. And He forgives you. And if we fall into something again, He will, but it's not that we premeditate sinning just because we know God's going to forgive us. So he says here, um, he is faithful and just, true to his own nature and promises, and will forgive our sins, dismiss our lawlessness, and continuously cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Everything not in conformity to his will. Everything that's... You know, not conforming to his will or in in purpose, in thought, or in action. God will continuously forgive us. Jesus went to the cross to forgive us. He wants to forgive us when we genuinely confess our sins to him. And the essence of the Christian life is godliness. That's the essence of what a Christian's life is. It's godlikeness. Godliness. And in in Titus chapter 2, verse 11, it says...
0: God's readiness to give and forgive is now public.
1: God's readiness? You you mean that God is ready to give you something if you have a need? God's readiness, and he is ready to give, and he's ready to forgive, and and, and this has gone public. It's wide open, what we're talking about. It's been broadcast. Everybody can and everybody should know that God's ready to give you what you need and to help you and to meet your needs and God is ready to forgive you and this has gone public and he goes on to say here God's readiness to give and forgive is now public. Salvation is available for everyone. Everyone. 100. 100%. 100% isn't it? 100% of the people, the men, women, boys and girls, salvation the part and having your name written in the book of life that you are forgiven and you're cleansed. It's available for everyone. Uh, here's a question for you guys right now. Have you received the salvation? It's available to everyone. Now, we may choose, well, I'm not ready for that. I don't want that right now. But I'm telling you, he's ready to give you what you need. He's ready to forgive you. And salvation is available to everyone right now. That's just the way it is. And only believers who radiate forgiveness radiate true godliness. Because to be godlike, God forgives, does he not? Yes. And so if if a person says, well, you don't know what they've done to me and I'll never ever forgive them. Well, that's evidence that they're not very godlike. That's not godliness at all, you know. There's two parts to godliness, and that's a godward attitude of reverence and respect, you know, and it's a behavior and a conduct that pleases God. Are, are we godlike? Are, are we godly? You know. Speaking up here in verse twelve, we're being
0: shown how to turn our backs on godless, on a godless, indulgent
1: life. He says here, we're we're being shown how how to do this, how to how to turn our backs on a godless indulgent life. Hmm. Do you understand what godless means? Let me see here. You know what this is it's a seven up now there's a little jingle that goes along with seven up at least when I was in the south that was a t- long time
0: ago
1: we were down there at the same time you I know. Know?
0: <laughs> you're right it was a long time ago
1: <laughs> but it was talking about that seven up is what you know That's true. Well, that's good. Don't have no caffeine. It's the uncaffeine, right? But it's also in the little jingle that we heard as a kid. It was the uncola, and that's where it don't have the caffeine and all that stuff in there. It's the uncola. What does uncola mean? No there ain't no cola there. So it's the uncola. Ain't no cola in there. And if you said ungodly, what does that mean?
0: No God in
1: There ain't no God in there. And it, it might not be really evil. You know, ungodly, you know, sounds pretty evil and all. It just means there ain't no God there. And people in our world right now, in the political world, and every facet of our world can be ungodly. They don't look to be vicious and all that. They just don't have no God in their life. They don't have no God in their politics or no God in their speech or whatever it might be, you know. And that's what he's he's talking about here. We're being shown how to turn our backs on a godless, you know, on just no cola, no God, an indulgent life, an indulgent life that just has no God in it, you know might not really seem evil, just don't have no God there. It's just God-less, you know, ungodly, you know, just like the Uncola. And uh, he picks up here in uh, verse 12.
0: And how to take on a God-filled, God-honoring life. This new life is starting right now.
1: This new life, this awesome life.
0: And is whetting our appetites.
1: This new life, this God-filled life, this God-honoring life that starts now, it's whetting our appetites. Now, think about that. Let me see here. do you want a piece no thank you good <laughs> i'm sorry guys i don't really have enough to offer everybody so Or sweet potato crackers. Sweet potato crackers? Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, the next time you fix me something like this?
0: An uh, appetizer plate?
1: Appetizer plate?
0: Yeah.
1: Piment cheese would be really good to dip this in. Even peanut butter. Do y'all
0: know what pimento and cheese is? You can actually buy it at BG's. It's called palmetto cheese. It's cheddar cheese with diced red peppers or pimentos in it. Miracle it's Pretty good. Are you going to talk. It's I'm a southern eat. thing. <laughs> so, what does yeah. this have to do with it?
1: <laughs> you no. Know, Have you ever been to a restaurant and you ordered appetizers? Yes. And you think, I'm going to order a big meal here. Why get appetizers? You know? But most people do. And it really stimulates your palate and it makes you want more. You know? It's working like that right now.
0: It's almost noon.
1: It's 1146.
0: Hmm. We're being shown how to turn our backs on a godless, indulgent life and how to take on a God-filled, God-honoring life. This new life is starting right now and is whetting our appetites.
1: There's this book right here and this book. Uh, God-filled, God-honoring life, this, this new life, it whets our appetite. We just want more. We just want more of it. You know, God's Word, I'll tell you what happens to me when I begin to read some things in the Scriptures, like, I want to read some more of it. I, I, I want to take it in. I want to apply it to my life. And he says here, this stuff is whetting our appetite. God's Word and, 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 and all these wonderful truths here, it just stimulates our appetite where we just want more of God, can't get enough, you know. And it's whetting our appetites for that glorious day when our great God and Savior Jesus Christ appears. And I'm telling you, and this is the truth, Jesus is coming back. And I'm not saying this is some little clever something to say. I'm telling you, he is coming back. He's told us that. He's promised us that. And the more of his word we read and partake of, it stimulates our appetite. And we're looking for a closer relationship with the almighty God, you know. And then Titus chapter 1, verse 1. This letter is from Paul. And and basically what this is, this is Paul's job description.
0: A slave of God.
1: Paul was a slave. He served God with all that was within him.
0: Been sent to proclaim faith. He,
1: He also was sent to proclaim, to tell everybody about faith and how to get it and how to use it.
0: To those God has chosen and to teach them how to know the truth.
1: His job description is to teach people How to know the truth. Because the truth does what? You shall know the truth and... Set you free. The truth shall set you free. That's what we're talking about.
0: And to teach them to know the truth that shows them how to live godly lives.
1: (coughs) His job description shows us how to live a godly life. How to live godliness, you know... And godliness is always associated with truth, God's word, and it brings about <clears throat> this wonderful freedom in our life.
0: First Timothy two verse one says, "I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people."
1: Hundred percent. Pray. Can you, as an individual, pray for all people?
0: Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: yes. We we pray we pray for all of you all the time and. We pray for all the people on the planet. Can't pray for all of them by name, you know, but God knows who they are, and we do pray for nations and all. And he says, I urge you. Now, this is really talking about godliness. He says, I urge you first of all to pray for all people. And ask God to help them. Can we do that? Yes. Whatever nation you pick, whatever state you pick whatever you can ask almighty god oh papa god just help these men and women the boys and girls help them whatever it is that they need right now we just ask that you would just miraculously provide it for them may your angels encamp around about them and keep them safe from all harm and danger and may they come to know you and trust you as lord and savior of their lives almighty god and you can pray for everybody on this planet every day you genuinely can You know, and what God puts in your heart. But he says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and then give thanks for them. Thank you, God, for these people who are in such and such a place. Thank you that they're there. And thank you for those who already are trusting you and who are letting their light shine to make a difference in other people. Anoint them and empower them to continue letting that light shine. There's all kinds of praying that we can continually do for those who are in need. And then he goes on to say in verse 2,
0: Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity.
1: Pray this way for kings? Do you pray for kings usually? Maybe there are other kinds of leaders and. men or women who are in authority, and you go, well, I can't pray for some other leaders because they don't believe the way I believe. It's like, that's even more important why you should pray for them. Papa God, I just ask that you would forgive the men and women who don't think the way I do, and I ask that you bless them and bring them to the place where they would trust you as their Savior. I ask Almighty God that you'd forgive them of their sins, and I ask that you'd save their family. And save their loved ones and their neighbors and those who live in their sphere of influence. I ask you to bless this king and all those who are with this king and bless him with the knowledge of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Is there ways to pray for people that disagree with you? Yes. Yes. There really is. And that's one of the best ways to bring about a change in their life. And he says here, pray this way for kings and all who are in authority. So that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. Is, is your life marked by godliness and dignity? He says we should pray this way that our life would be marked with godliness and, and dignity. And, and this is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved. Did you know God wants everybody to be saved? Yes. Everybody. And to understand the truth. And, and He wants them to understand the truth because it's the truth that genuinely sets them free. And, you know, people don't just drift toward godliness, people don't just drift toward praying, and people don't just drift to obeying the scriptures and, 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 becoming men and women of faith, they don't just drift and and that just happens in their life. People don't just drift into delighting themselves in the Lord. It takes discipline. It's not just haphazardly drifting that way. And, you know, we're to train ourselves to live godly or, or godlike. We're to train ourselves from what I'm reading in the scriptures and we're to pursue and, and, and to pursue means to chase or really to, to hunt, to follow, to track, and to trail godliness. We're to pursue godliness, you know. And pursue it means unrelenting. You just don't give up. You just trail it. You just track it. This godliness. You're pursuing it. And we train ourselves to live this way. In 2 Peter chapter 3,
0: Verse nine, it says the Lord isn't really being slow about His promise, as
1: some people think. And I've heard it so many times. Well, well, God said He was going to come back, and He says this, He's going to do that, and I ain't see any of that happening. So they they just throw away their faith in God. And He tells us right here, the Lord isn't really slow about His promise. He's not slow. Well, why hasn't He fulfilled everything He's already said? He says that some think no. He's being patient for your sake. If Christ was to come back today, do you have any family or any friend who do not have a right relationship with Jesus right now? Yes. They'd be left behind. And he says here, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent, to, to do a, an about faith, to change their direction. That's what we're, we're talking about here.
0: But the day of the Lord will come as...
1: And this is verse 10 here.
0: But the day of the Lord will come as... Unex...
1: Unexpectedly! <laughs> you know what unexpectedly is, right? You probably didn't expect me to holler that out like that, did you? Well, some of you might have expected that, but <laughs> most of you probably didn't. But I say the day of the Lord will come unexpectedly as a thief. Now, does anybody here have a relationship with a thief where he calls you and sets an appointment to break into your house and steal your stuff? No. It's just unexpectedly, right? And that's what he says here. But the day of the Lord will come. When he comes back for us, it will come as unexpectedly as a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire. You know what I'm talking about? Can you almost imagine what that verse would look like? And what the earth would sound like, you know? Can we just pick it right there and continue? Verse
0: 10. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with,
1: its, pass away.
0: with a terrible noise. And the very elements themselves will disappear in fire. And the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment.
1: Aren't we glad that God is patient? Mm-hmm. Oh, we don't want our loved ones to experience that, do we?
0: verse 11, since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live.
1: That is going to happen on this planet. And I believe within our lifetime and we don't want people consumed by such. We want them to be forgiven. We want them to have relationship with God. We genuinely do and you know, I do believe in the saying that the Bible refers to—the catching away. It's called the rapture, to where believers will be caught up in, 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 in the air to be with the Lord before anything like it happens. You know, and and we want people not to have to experience that kind of stuff. And and Peter uses the most monstrous, you know, uh, earth-shattering events like this fire and this. Horrible sound to stir up, you know, that holy, godly living in us. So we don't want people to have to experience that and the consequences of being separated from God. We don't want that. Verse 12, Looking forward to the day of
0: God and hurrying it along. On that day he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to now, be found.
1: Now, what percentage of effort were he talking about here? 100%.
0: Make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure. And blameless in his sight.
1: That's all about a godliness. It's talking about a godlike life.
0: And remember, the Lord's patience gives people time to be saved.
1: The Lord being patient, the reason he hasn't come back yet, he's given people time to get a relationship with God. He's given us time to keep praying for them. And maybe as we're praying and God gives us an idea or a story or a scripture that we could share with other people so they'll consider that we're going to have to face God one day and we're going to have to make a choice, you know, to be eternally with him or to be eternally separated from him. You know what I'm talking about? So have you personally, have you received this forgiveness and this salvation that we're talking about? Hopefully you have, and if not, today's your day. To accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord. And accept the forgiveness that he's paid for, for you. That you will be pardoned and you will be forgiven. And this is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom that God gave you. And and listen to this verse right here.
0: 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1. And you should know this, Timothy. in the last days... What what days? The last days...
1: Now, what does last days mean? It's in the the first days, is it? uh -uh. It's not halfway through. Uh -uh. He said, in the last days, there will be very difficult times. If we look around in our world right now, are there some difficult times? We can come to the conclusion that we might be, we might be close to the last days. It can happen. There's wars, and there's rumors of wars every time you listen to something. They're talking about this and that, earthquakes, and earthquakes, and diseases, and people and other nations planning wars against who knows. There's, but he says here, you should know this, Timothy. That in the last days, there will be difficult times. And and people do drift. And they, they drift away from God. And you don't want to be drifting away from God when you're in the last days. That's for sure.
0: Verse 2. For people will love only themselves and their money.
1: Now, you got to understand that money in itself is not evil. But to love it. The Bible says the love of money is is the root to all evil. Loving it. Being passionate about it. I just got to have more, 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 more. It's okay to have money, but not that money has you. You know, that's what he's talking about.
0: For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred.
1: In the last days... <laughs> People will consider nothing sacred. You know, although God blesses families with a little boy, a little girl, and there's other people who don't know God and know his ways Is trying to confuse that little boy and that little girl. Like, well, you don't know if you're a girl or a boy or a porcupine or a giraffe or a kangaroo. You just don't know that for sure. Now, why would a person try to undermine what God says? He created them, male and female. That's, that's what he tells us very clearly and it says here they will consider. What's it say? Nothing sacred. They will consider these people in the last days are disobedient and ungrateful, and they'll consider nothing sacred. They won't consider marriage sacred. Or, you know, just you don't have to get married no more. You just do whatever you want to do, you know. And they don't consider the sanctity of life, uh, you know, uh, sacred anymore. And all the sacred kinds of stuff. There are people. Who just don't believe it's sacred anymore. And this is the days and times that we live in. Verse 3. They will be unloving. And unforgiving. And they will slander others. And and have no self-control. And they will be cruel. And they'll hate what is good. Hate what is good? And they will betray their friends. And they'll be reckless. And be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than loving God. And they will act religious. In the King James Bible it says they'll have a form of godliness, but they'll deny the power of that godliness. But here it says they will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. They're going to act like they're religious. Oh, they're going to do what everybody else who has a relationship with God, they're just gonna act religious. Act it. You know, you know, Hollywood, you know, actors they get paid big bucks to act like something that they really are not, you know? It says they'll act religious, but they will reject the power, you know, that could make them godly. They're actually religious, but they're rejecting that power. The power that comes from Jesus. The power that comes from his word. The power that comes from the Holy Spirit. They will reject the power that could make them godly. And the Bible says, stay away from people like that. Mm -hmm. Stay away from people like that. Because what happens when you hang around a certain kind of people?
0: You become like them.
1: You you become like them. You know? Bad company corrupts good morals. That is the truth. But
0: Hanging around God, you become more godly.
1: To be like Jesus every moment of the day. To be like Jesus every step along the way. All I ask, yes, that's all that I ask. It's to to be be like Him, yes, to be like Him, all All through through life's life's journey. Help me, Lord, when I pray, from From earth to glory. Help me, dear Lord, today, all All I ask, ask. yes, that's all all that I ask, is to be like him. Him. If you want to be like him, hang around him. Hang around his word. Hang around the truth. If you want to be like him, hang around with him. That's what we're talking about. Godliness is not an optional spiritual luxury. I'm talking about godliness. It's not optional, and it's not a spiritual luxury for a few super saints. It's our privilege. It's our duty to pursue godliness and, and, and to train ourselves to be godly. And we'll see that very clearly in the word. He tells us to train ourselves to be godly and to study diligently the, the practice of godliness. Listen to what he says here in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3.
0: By his divine and, power...
1: By God's divine power...
0: God has given us everything.
1: And what percentage is everything? Everything.
0: God God has has given given
1: us everything, 100%. He has given us everything we we need for for living living a a godly godly life. life. God has already given us everything we need for living a godly life. Right now, he's already given you everything you need. And it's not complicated. And you don't have to take out a loan. You don't have to go to a school. You you know, it's a whole lot simpler than we would ever know and ever think. But he says here... His divine, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Have you ever flown on an airplane? Yes. You know, when, when flying, airlines provide everything that we need. They provide the ticket, you know, they provide, you know, someone to check your baggage, they provide a boarding pass, they provide that little reading light on the ceiling, you know, above your seat. And they provide that little air van if you want some air conditioner while you're you're there. And, and they provide a stewardess who comes and brings you a little snack. Not near as big of a snack as it used to be. But they bring you a little snack and they bring you a little soda or a little bit of water or a little bit of coffee or something or another. And they've provided strong planes for that turbulent weather that you may encounter while you're up there. And they provide some well-trained pilots, you know. And they provide... Connecting, flying and there's a whole lot of other things that they do provide. So the, the most ordinary Christian, the most ordinary, he's not the elite super saint, just the most ordinary Christian has all he needs. That's what we read by his, God's divine power, God has given us everything. Everything that we need for living a godly life. Just like airplanes give you everything you need to fly from one state to the next, you know.
0: We have received all of this by coming to know him.
1: Coming to know Christ is the first step. And we receive it all right there. We receive it all right there. That's absolutely amazing. So we can live a godly life. He, he, he gives it to us and, and we receive it. Now I reckon my question is have you personally come to know him in such a way that you can receive everything he wants you to have in order to live a godly life? Because it's available to you right now today. It genuinely is and I'm talking about to miss out on that horrible sound that this earth will hear one day and that fire that this earth will see one day. I'm talking about to totally miss out on all that Kinds of stuff.
0: We have received all this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us, all of us, great and precious promises.
1: He has given all of us these great and these precious promises. We call it the Bible.
0: These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature.
1: These promises have been given. Are we making this up or are we just reading that right out of the Bible? It comes right These are the, Bible. the promises that enable you to share his divine nature. And that's godliness. Mm-hmm. You can partake of his divine nature and you can escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. We're talking about by the ungodly. We can escape all the corruption, the evilness, and all that kind of stuff. We can escape it by this wonderful truth that he has given us where we partake of his divine nature. And In verse 5, he goes on to say,
0: In view of all this, make every effort.
1: Every effort. That's 100% of the efforts that you got.
0: Make every effort to respond to God's promises.
1: Read it. Study it. Apply it. Make every effort to respond to God's promises.
0: Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence.
1: You want to put this over there? Sure. I might want to eat some more appetizers. Your
0: bag bag is breaking.
1: It is breaking. I can't get them all out of here. You have any idea what these are? These are supplements. If you need a little bit of zinc, if you need a little bit of fish oil, If you need a little bit of whatever that one was, and turmeric, and if you need a little bit of activated charcoal and magnesium, and there's a whole bunch that I couldn't get out of there, those are supplements. And they strengthen your body if you take these supplements. And what's it say right here? In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith. Isn't that what it says? Mm-hmm. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. Add this to moral excellence. You know, uh, and, and, and add these all these things together. You know, doing the God honoring right thing, and uh, add these supplements and, and 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 moral excellence with knowledge. That's, that's God's word, and. And supplement knowledge with self-control. Supplement knowledge. Uh, supp- that's a supplement. Supplement knowledge with self-control. And and, and self-control supplement with patient endurance. And patient endurance supplement with god- godliness. That's what we've been talking about leading up to that. There are supplements that's going to strengthen these parts of our life, you know. A lifestyle that honors and pleases God and in First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, it says, So whether you eat, how many of y'all eat? It's 12.14 right now. It's not too far off from time to eat. He says, So whether you eat or you drink, y'all drink? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Do you drink things you shouldn't drink? No, 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 no. Okay, we'll talk about that another time. Eh? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all, 100% for the glory of God. Make sure that what you're doing, make sure that what you're eating, make sure what you're drinking, make sure what you're watching on TV, make sure that what you're reading, make sure that the things that you're doing, does what?
0: Are for the glory of God.
1: Or for the glory of the almighty God.
0: And supplement knowledge with self-control.
1: It's verse 6, she's picking up there.
0: Supplement self-control with patient endurance, and supplement patient endurance with godliness, in verse 7. And supplement godliness with brotherly affection, and supplement brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind,
1: Those who fail to develop, they're not adding all these supplements. that They're naming them right here, all these supplements that we just need to keep adding to our life. And we become short-sighted. We can't see very far. And worse than short-sighted, you just become totally blind and can't see at all.
0: Forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Verse 11, then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Genesis chapter 5 verse 21, it says, When Enoch was 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah. After the birth of Methuselah, Enoch lived in close fellowship with God.
1: Are are you living in close fellowship with God? Yes. Two people answered that question. (laughs) I was listening. Well, I can tell you, you know...
0: There's an uh, invitation.
1: There is. You are invited into close fellowship with God. And I I invited Susan the night before last. You know, we've already had busy, busy week and busy day that day and it was already past dark and it was getting late and I said uh would you like to to join me up on the mountain and she didn't he haul around about she said yes I would you know and put her boots on and walking sticks and threw my pack on and my boots and all and we hiked up this whole mountain and we we came and stopped at a place that we never stopped at before. And it, it was kind of a, it wasn't really a meadow because it was covered with trees, but it was an open area, and it was kind of going up on an angle like this way, and then it came over here about 30 paces, and then it dropped off, and you can see the tops of trees are all over there, but it was beautiful. And what we did once we got up there, and when you've been hiking to get a little ways up a steep, have you ever got tired out hiking up a steep place? Mm-hmm. You know? Well, I'm going to tell you why God put trees on mountains. Ah. Thank you, Lord. I taught Susan this years ago. All them trees are there, so if you need to stop and rest and talk to God for a few months, you just pick any one of them you want. God put it there just for you. Okay? He put a few there for me, too. You know? But we've got it there, and And we just leaned back against a tree. And we were closer than we are here. We are about to that bag. And we were there. And we were just praying and talking to God. And you could see the clouds were coming by. And they were blocking all the stars and the moon. But you could see the moon shining through a cloud. And it was absolutely beautiful. And we turned our flashlights off and we just prayed. And then somebody else showed up. God. And I'm not teasing you. He showed up. And it was just heart-touching and not sad or solemn, but it just bring tears to your eyes as you experience the power of Almighty God as, as we were praying for you guys. As we were praying for our families and, and our loved ones and our state and, and our, our 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 you know nation and our world and all. And God showed up there, and you can have just as close of a relationship with God that you want to have. It's yours to be had. And I'm not teasing you. You you can, you don't, don't trespass on somebody else's property, but if there's a tree anywhere out there, you can go and use it for yourself and hanging out with God. You know, it's a wonderful place. It's just to lean back against a tree and and talk to God. And you can lean that way, or you can lean this way. If you got a fork, you can stick your head between it. Just don't (laughs) fall and get your head stuck down there where the fork is at. But uh, what I'm telling you, and you think I'm I'm making this up and and all, but I'm telling you, God was there, and if you make time for God, He always shows up. That's just the way He is.
0: After the birth of Methuselah, Enoch lived in close fellowship with close God.
1: Fellowship with God—that's that's godliness. To live in close fellowship with God—that's that's godliness.
0: For another three hundred years, and he had other sons and daughters. Enoch lived. 365 years
1: that, that, that's a year for every day that's in the year yep.
0: walking in close fellowship with God it's,
1: it's the most wonderful walk you'll ever take is when you walk in close fellowship with God
0: then one day he disappeared boom because God took him
1: and, and that was a a type and a shadow it was a precursor so we would understand what the rapture is like God it says they were just walking out, hanging around together, and boom, God just took him. He, he, he didn't have to die to be took in such a way. You know, later, Enoch was given a place in that great faith hall of fame. It's found here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. It says, It was
0: by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying.
1: It was by faith, because he had faith. He was taken up to heaven before the fires and the explosions and the horrible things that happened, you know, in his day, anything he was just taken up to heaven without dying. By faith he was. He, he disappeared, disappeared.
0: Because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God.
1: Are you known as a person who pleases God? Will you be taken before all kinds of hell breaks loose on earth one day? Will you be taken? Do you have the reputation of being a a person who who pleases God?
0: Verse 6. And it is impossible to please God without faith.
1: And how do we get faith?
0: By hearing the word of God. Faith
1: comes by hearing. You hear him by the word of God. And it tells us here in Hebrews 11.6. It is impossible. You can't do this. You cannot please God without faith. Is that what it says? Yes. It is impossible to please God without faith.
0: Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that That, God exists. That's faith.
1: You must believe. You must have faith.
0: That God exists. And that God, that he rewards those who sincerely seek him.
1: And do you sincerely or, or diligently seek him? Now, does this describe you? This is about Enoch. Enoch, he walked with God. Does this describe you? Do you walk with God? Enoch pleased God. That must mean he had faith, right? Enoch, life was centered in God. God was the focal point of his very existence. Enoch enjoyed a relationship with God. Do you? He was devoted to God. And that's the meaning of godliness. Godliness is... An attitude toward God. It's it's devotion toward God that results in actions that, that pleases him. Godliness is always devotion in action. That's what godliness is. Not just a warm, fuzzy feeling from a song that you might have sang somewhere along the line. But it's devotion to God, you know? Devotion is an attitude toward God composed of three essential elements. The fear of God, the love of God, and the desire for God, and these three elements focus on what? God. Focus on God. That's what it's all about. And the the practice of godliness is an experience, you know, uh, uh, discipline that focuses helps us focus on God. We experience this discipline where we just focus on God all the time, no matter what's going on. In First Timothy chapter four, verse seven. It says, Do not waste
0: time arguing over godless ideas.
1: You know, godless. It just means you don't have no God in it. You know, this, this is the uncola because it don't have no cola in it. And he says, don't waste time arguing over godless ideas. And there's a lot of ideas that this planet has that leave God out. Oh, we can do it this way. We can do it this way. We can do this. We can do this. We can do this. But it leaves God out. And he says, don't waste time arguing over godless ideas.
0: And old wives tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Uh,
1: Did you hear what it says here? Train who? Yourself. Who's going to train you to be godly? I am. You're going to do it. He says, train yourself to be godly. Train yourself to be godlike. And then he he qualifies. Have you ever been to a gym? It worked out at you all? Know? He says here. Physical training is good. Physical training, pumping iron, he says, is good.
0: But training for godliness is much better.
1: But training for godliness is much better than physical training. It's what he says. He didn't say you can't do them both. But he says... <laughs> Training for godliness is much better than physical training.
0: Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come.
1: Training godliness is going to give you benefits here and benefits in the world to come. You know, often we we try to develop Christian character and conduct without taking the time to develop a God-centered devotion. When we try pleasing God without taking the time to to walk with him or to develop a relationship with him. And if you want to develop godliness, hang out with God. You can get both of them exercises hiking up the mountain, can't you? You can take a walk with Almighty God and you can get them both at the same time. And he says here in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6.
0: Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth.
1: True godliness. To be godlike. Not Not religious. But to be godly, yet true godliness with contentment is great wealth. And the King James Bible says it's great gain. Mm -hmm. Great wealth, great gain, same thing, you know. And if your goal is to be the richest and the smartest and the most beautiful or the most popular person, you will never be happy. Because you got too much competition to compete with, you know. And you'll always be competing with others who get that same goal, but if your goal is godliness, that's obtainable. And he tells us that brings about blessings for this earth and blessings in the life that is to come.
0: First Timothy chapter six verse six in the Message Bible says, "A devout life—that's
1: godly, godliness. A godly life. A
0: devout yes. life does bring wealth." But it's the rich simplicity of being yourself before God.
1: Being yourself? Just hanging out with God? Being yourself? Talking to Him? Just like y'all were sitting down and having a cup of coffee together? That's wow. rich. That is, that's, that's, that's the richest well. thing you can ever have. And God's going to come to your aid whatever you have need of.
0: Since we entered into the world penniless and we'll leave it penniless, if we have bread on the table and shoes on our feet, that's enough. But if it's only money these leaders are after, they'll, soon, they'll self-destruct in no time.
1: Mission impossible. If, if, if they're just pursuing money, because it's the love of money, that's the root of all evil. Not money, but the love of it, you know, and pursuing that, you know, just pursuing material stuff. It will, it will never satisfy us, but he goes on here in verse 10.
0: Lust for money brings trouble and nothing but trouble. Going down that path, some lose their footing in the faith completely and live to regret it bitterly after, ever after. Verse 11. But you, Timothy, man of God,
1: run for your life from all of this. Run from all that stuff that's harmful, the lust for money. Uh, All those things he lists here, he, he tells us to run for your life from all this. Pursue. A righteous life, a a godly life, a right standing with God, and and he says, pursue a righteous life.
0: A life of wonder. wonder. I love that. A life of wonder, faith, love, steadiness, courtesy. Run hard and fast in the faith. Yes. Seize the eternal life, the life you were called to, the life you so fervently embraced in the presence of so many witnesses. I'm charging you before the life-giving God and before Christ who took his stand before Pontius Pilate and didn't give an inch, keep this command to the letter and don't slack off. Our master Jesus Christ is on his way.
1: He's on his way. He promises that. He is on his way. And you want to be a a godly person. You, you, You want to have faith in your heart toward him. And you want to be expectant, you know, having hope, a confident expectation for his return. He'll show
0: up, at the, he'll show up right on time. His arrival guaranteed by the blessed and undisputed ruler.
1: High King. King. High, High God. God. You know, many Christians don't have the ambiance or, or the glow, the, the, that quality of godliness about them. And, and, and they may be very talented and personable. Or very busy in the Lord's work and all, even seemingly very successful in some avenues of Christian service and still not be godly. They can have all that and be very religious, but still not godly. Why? Because they're not devoted to God and all that they do. They may be devoted to a a vision, or maybe devoted to a ministry, or devoted to their own reputation as a Christian, but they're just not devoted to God. And my question to you here today is: Are you devoted to God, genuinely? You know, your actions and your words and all—are you devoted to God, the Almighty, the Most High, who who died for you? godliness can be defined as devotion to god resulting in a lifestyle that pleases and honors him the the practice of godliness being begins with cultivating a relationship with god and and if 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 i wanted to cultivate a relationship with you which i did once upon a time you you got to begin the process to cultivate that relationship and you got to you know, develop this relationship with the Almighty God, and He shows us and He gives us the steps on how to go about doing it. Only one more verse in Colossians three, verse two. And we used to read this, we used to sing this as, as a song, and we studied it, and we shared it with so many people over the years of our Christian life. But in Colossians three, verse two, it just says,
0: "Set your affections on things above." Set your affections. What? Where? On things above.
1: On things that are stored?
0: Nope. On things above.
1: The stuff is in the, in the garage or it's in
0: the basement? Nope. Set your affections on things above.
1: Set your affections on things above.
0: Not, Not on things on the
1: earth. That's what he's telling us. So could you just read us the words of this song and then we'll be done.
0: Yes. This is a song called Give Me Your Eyes by Brandon Heath. Look down from a broken sky, traced out by the city lights. My world from a mile high. Best seat in the house tonight. Touch down on the cold black top. Hold on for the sudden stop. Breathe in the familiar shock of confusion and chaos. All those people going somewhere. Why have I never cared? Give me your eyes for just one second. Give me your eyes so I can see. Everything that I keep missing Give me your love for humanity. For humanity. Give me your arms for the brokenhearted, the ones that are far beyond my reach. Give me your heart for the ones forgotten. Give me your eyes so I can see. Step out on the busy street, see a girl and our eyes meet. Does her best to smile at me, to hide what's underneath. There's a man just to her right, black suit and a bright red tie. Too ashamed to tell his wife he's out of work, he's buying time. All those people going somewhere, why have I never cared? Give me your eyes for just one second. Give me your eyes so I can see everything that I keep missing. Give me your love for humanity. Give me your arms for the brokenhearted, the ones that are far beyond my reach. Give me your heart for the ones forgotten. Give me your eyes so I can see I've been there a million times, a couple of million lives, just moving past me by. I swear I never thought that I was wrong, but I want a second glance. So give me a second chance to see the way you've seen the people all along. Give me your eyes for just one second. Give me your eyes so I can see everything that I keep missing. Give me your love for humanity. Give me your arms for the broken hearted the ones that are far beyond my reach. Give me your heart for the ones forgotten. Give me your eyes so I can see. Give me your eyes for just one second, Lord, give me your eyes, give me your eyes so I can see. Everything that I keep missing, that I keep missing, keep missing. Give me your heart for the brokenhearted, for the brokenhearted, the ones that are far beyond my reach. Give me your heart for the ones forgotten, Lord, Lord, Give me your
1: eyes, godliness. Is to have the eyes of Almighty God, so you can see people through His eyes. And there's so many times when we didn't care, but God cares. He loves and He cares and He reaches out to help. And as we are really expressing our devotion in action, we're gonna love people. We're gonna be godlike. Godly, and and we're going to touch their lives the way God touches our lives And, and give them hope and expectation because a lot of people will never know about the goodness and the mercy of God and that he'll forgive them and write their name in the book of life. They'll never know the forgiveness of God unless someone who has experienced it tells them what God has done for you. It's important that we tell people what God has done for us what he promises in his word and get them a bible you know quote some things to them email it to them text them whatever it takes but there's so many people who need Jesus and God has us in places that we're in right now so we can make a difference in their lives that's devotion in action it genuinely is and there's just so much more as you you read that book highlight it underline things you know because it This right here, it changes your life as you read it. Well, I'd like to just pray right now and ask you to join me as we reaffirm our faith in Christ or maybe you dedicate yourself to Christ for the first time. Whichever it might be, would you join me as we pray together out loud? Heavenly Father.
0: Heavenly Father.
1: I believe that you love me.
0: I believe that you love me.
1: I believe that you sent your son Jesus.
0: I believe that you sent your son Jesus
1: to die in my place.
0: To die in my place
1: to shed his life blood.
0: To shed his life blood
1: to wash all my sins away.
0: To wash all my sins away.
1: I believe that Jesus rose from the dead.
0: I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. He's
1: knocking at the door of my heart. And
0: he's knocking at the door of my heart.
1: And I open wide that door.
0: And I open
1: wide that door. (laughs) And I welcome Jesus into every area of my life.
0: And I welcome Jesus into every area of my life. As my Savior. As my
1: Savior. As my Lord. As my Lord. And as my soon coming King. And as my
0: soon coming King.
1: I give my all to you.
0: I give my all
1: to you. Help me, Almighty God.
0: Help me, Almighty God.
1: To learn how to be like you.
0: To learn how to be like you. Godly. Godly. Godlike. Godlike.
1: In Jesus' name.
0: In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.